0: Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Perfect. So I want to preach off this image tonight. That's why I have put it up there. And um, first of all, let me just say this. What an amazing bunch of people. What an amazing bunch of people. I've enjoyed hanging out with you guys. I enjoyed hanging out with you guys three years ago. I enjoyed hanging out with you guys last year. I enjoyed hanging out with you guys yesterday and today. And uh, love you guys and, and think you guys are amazing. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing in Christchurch. I'm excited about lots of things that God's doing in Christchurch. Too many things to name in one sentence. And um, But thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's such an honor to be here. And like I said to you guys at lunch, I just said, you know, I've got a lot of stuff that, a lot of trips on my calendar this year. And this was one of the trips I was most looking forward to when I looked at my calendar because I just love hanging out with you guys. And, um, and so thanks for being awesome. Just turn to the person next to you and just say, thanks for being awesome. Thanks for being Awesome. Wow. Well, I feel like the fire of God is here tonight, and I feel like there's more. I feel like there's an upgrade. I feel like God wants to wreck some people tonight, and I I want to stir some hunger tonight. I want to stir, I want to stir an awareness in you that there's more available to you, and I want to preach off this. Um, this is an image that I did actually. To be honest, this. This represents a conversation that I had with the Lord earlier this year that that marked me for this season. And uh, I hadn't bothered putting it into an image format until until I realized I was coming here because I felt like this was not just for me, but this was for you. And so I've actually prepared this really for you. Um, I want to say that if this speaks to you, I've made a couple of extra ones of these available at the back, and you can talk to Joe wherever Joe Joe over here if you want to purchase one of these. You can, and um, you will be purchasing a limited edition, which means that uh, there won't be any more than 23 of each color printed. 23 represents my marriage with my wife, and so I just everything is always 23, and they're $113, which represents Psalm 113. Uh, sorry, $133, it's $133, Psalm 133. How blessed is when brethren dwell together in unity. Yeah, discount. And, um, and so I just want to let you know now, just before I get started, that these are available. Um, and also, I'll share some stories around how I had this conversation with the Lord. But all of this, the money from this, is going to go towards um, missions and reaching the lost in, in nations in Asia. And so, um, ba-boom, done. So I believe that God wants to do something tonight. I believe that that you are ready for something. I believe that God is marking um, His church for an upgrade, and He's stirring hunger. And I love being exposed to stuff that I don't currently walk in or I haven't yet experienced. And I love the feeling of desire and hunger stirring on the inside of me. I love that. I love, I love the dynamic of hunger. I love it that blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. I love it that if you're hungry for something, you can take it as evidence that God has more for you. I love it that um, hunger is not just a tease. When God stirs a desire in you or exposes you to something that flicks on the desire button on the inside of you, and you become aware of something that you want that you don't currently have. I, I I love it that that is not just a tease. I love it that God's not the God that hangs a carrot in front of your face and just says, hey, listen, this is awesome. Mate, this is incredible. Look at this. I bet you want this. Well, you'll never have it. I mean, I just wanted to show you what you can't have. I just wanted to stir up a desire on the inside of you just because... I wanted to rub in your face what you can't have. You know, God is not a cosmic tease that wants to hang a carrot in front of your face so that you can never get it. The spirit of religion, Bill Johnson says this, the spirit of religion projects into tomorrow what God intends for you to have today. The spirit of religion projects into tomorrow what God intends for you to walk in today. Hunger is meant to make you aware of what's available for you today if you will position your heart to receive it. Hunger is not to make you aware of what you can't have or what's for another day. Hunger is there to alert you and to make you aware and to bring you into a consciousness of what is available to you right now. When you become hungry or you, you are flooded with a desire for something new, That is evidence and a divine invitation from the Lord to acquire the thing that you've become hungry for. That's to let you know that in the not tomorrow season, but in the right now season, something's available to you. That's to let you know, oh, God's cooked a meal and it's on the table. That smell I can smell that's making me hungry is evidence that the meal's on the table. We're not waiting for the cook to cook the meal. The fact I'm hungry is evidence that the meal has been cooked and I've begun to smell the smell of the meal that's on the table. All I need to do is position my heart to make my way to the table. All I need to do is say, hey, I'm going to put the toys away for a second and make myself ready for dinner. And I wanted to say God is stirring hunger in the body of Christ since God has stirred hunger in me. And I'm going to speak to this conversation in a moment. And some of you were here yesterday when I mentioned it. I'm going to briefly mention it again, but... There is a hunger being stirred in my heart, and I pray that God, that it's the same and is true for you. And I believe it is, that God is stirring hunger right across the body of Christ right now, and we are right on the edge of something new that we haven't stepped into before as the body of Christ. We've seen some amazing things. We have a billion and one things, times a billion, to be thankful for. I mean, we have had the privilege of, of witnessing some of the most incredible moments in world history as our generation has. While you've been alive, some incredible things have happened on the planet and amazing things have happened in your life. And we have incredible, and, and we, have, we, have the, we have all the reason in the world to be astronomically thankful. Yet God has invited us into something that we have not yet experienced and what precedes us acquiring that is a hunger for that hunger lights up hunger is the light that shows you what is ahead of you this is pretty awesome i hope it encourages you because there's two types of hunger and and this is what i've observed as i've observed some christians have some one kind of hunger and there are other christians who have adopted a different kind of hunger. And I have noticed there are two types of hunger in the body of Christ. One is constructive and it will lead you somewhere. The other one will kill you. And I wanna talk about these two types of hunger just quickly and I wanna tell some stories and then I'm gonna pray and I believe there's an impartation tonight. Um, There's the orphan hunger. And this is the hunger that will kill you. This is the hunger of the person on the side of the road who is desperately wanting food, desperately wanting a meal. It's the the skinny, malnourished person in India who is on the side of the road thinking, man, I would just love a few grains of rice. I would just love even just a small meal if I could just get five cents. I could maybe go to the local farmer and buy, you know, 15 grains of rice. And maybe then I could get, like, maybe then I could survive for another half a day. Before, you know, I'm just living day to day. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm just, I'm just believing for, man, maybe I could just get a little bit. But really, there's this question mark of, I'm not convinced that anyone's even going to put anything in my bucket today. Honestly, honestly, I'm just here and I'm hoping... I'm hungry for it. I want it, but I don't have much hope for it. It's a hopeless hunger. Man, I see all these guys, and I'm looking at it. They've got that restaurant over there, and look, they're all eating their dinner. And these guys, look, they're playing with their kids. And I'm here on the side of the road with nothing. And man, I want this, and man, I'm hungry for this, and I can smell the smell, and I want the meal, and I'm so hungry, but I'm just a beggar on the side of the road with no home. I don't have access to that restaurant. I don't have access to that kitchen. I don't have access to that lunchbox. I don't have access to that wallet. I don't have access to the thing that I'm hungry for. I'm just stuck here on the side of the road without access to the thing that I deeply desire. And I'm just hoping that someone will walk past me at some stage and give me some kind of payout that I could go and get not what I desire, but a but a but just a, t- a crumb from under the table. If I could just get just, A little bit of, I mean, just to survive. Much of the body of Christ has this kind of hunger. It's a hunger that is absent and divorced from hope. It's a hunger that doesn't have an expectation of being filled. Yeah, you're hungry, but you have no expectation of that hunger being met. And there's so many prayer meetings. I've been to them, and I've been one of the ones leading them at times with this kind of deformed hunger. Crying out for revival, but not really actually believing that I'm about to step into it. I've been in I've 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 been in and I've led many prayer meetings over my days, especially a few years back. Where I'd be, God, I'm crying out for this and I want to see change in my city. I want to see God, I want to see your glory flood through my city. I want the schools to be, you know, and I'm just, I'm just painting, I'm starting to see a picture of what. I believe God wants to do it, and I'm, I'm prophesying it out, and I'm crying it out, and I'm declaring it out, and I am not believing really at all that it's actually going to happen. I'm just there, hungry for something that I don't have much hope for. That's an orphan kind of hunger. Okay, so you've got that hunger over there. This is the hunger that God has taken us away from. And as we learn our sonship, as we learn who we are, as we learn that we have access, as we learn to repent, to change the way we think for the kingdoms at hand, as we let God tear the veil that's in our own hearts, in our own minds, as we learn that separation is just an illusion, it's just a mindset shift. We come from here and we come into our sonship and, and the hunger of a son or a hunger of a daughter is like this. It's like the hunger, and sorry to use the surfing example again. It's just because it is a common example in my life. And it's the hunger of, I relate it to multiple, multiple times where I've been surfing. And, and I'll, I'll use one instance where I was with Andy, because you know Andy. And we were surfing somewhere in Whangarei. You wouldn't probably know the place, but somewhere in Whangarei. And uh, we had surfed and it was pumping. It was awesome. We had surfed for probably five or six hours straight. I'd surfed till my arms had stopped working. You know, and then you're trying to paddle and you're like, and you, you try, you're just one more wave, one more wave, and you've, you've, you've surfed your brains out, your eyes are bloodshot, you've got salt water that's pouring out of your nostrils for days on end afterwards, and you are, you are a bedraggled rat. You are just absolutely exhausted, and you've used every centimeter, every millimeter of energy in your body. All that energy, that food that you ate before the surf is all gone on the surf that you've just surfed. But you're at this faraway remote beach and you forgot to pack your lunch. And you're like, oh, man, I am hungry. And then Andy's like, dude, I am so hungry. And I'm like, man, let's, let's, let's go and get some food. And he's like, let's go get some food. And so we're in the car. And, you know, the conversation in the car is not even about the epic surf that we've just had. Because who cares about the surf we've just had? The only thing we can think about is the food we're about to eat. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever done this on a hot day, but I used to do this when I was a kid in summer, is we would wind all the windows up in the car on a summer's day, and we'll put hot clothes on, and then we'll just swelter in the car on the way to the pool. We're on the way to the beach and we'll just get as hot as we could because you're like, ah, and you're just, you're just torturing yourself because you know that in a moment I'm going to get to the, to the pool or to the beach and I'm just going to jump out of the car and run into the world. It's going to be epic because I've just been sweltering in this car. I don't know if anyone's done that or if it's just me, but I've done that. And, um, and that, and that's what it's like in the car with, uh, what it was like in the car with Andy and I. And we would just start talking about kind of like what we did at the restaurant, um, today, we, we started talking about our favorite cuts of meat. And, um, and so we're in the car and we're talking about, man, like what's your favorite meal? And I mean, honestly, there's nothing else to talk about. We're talking about what's your favorite, oh man, that meal, I had this meal in Chiang Mai. It was this um, dry Thai red curry, this old mama in, in, uh, in Chiang Mai, she made this Thai red curry. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And uh, it was after this meeting, and I was there. I was on a, those cheap plastic. The 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 restaurant was on the side of the footpath. It was just a horrible restaurant. I mean, it was no ambience. It had a Coca Cola tarpaulin for a roof, and it had like those broken down plastic stool things with the cheap blue tarpaulin for a tablecloth. But it was their own home recipe, and man, that was a good man, that was a good meal, like 39 different spices or whatever. She got them from the jungle herself and she just put them all together. And it, oh my gosh, it was, man. And my mouth is watering and we're, we're about one minute into the drive. You know, we've got about 25 minutes left to go. And then Andy's like, oh man, one of my favorite meals was the salmon steak. Do you remember that salmon steak? Remember we had that salmon steak and it was in, uh, it was in Alaska. We had, I mean, no, we didn't actually go to Alaska, but I'm just making up the story this the salmon steak and oh, and i'm like oh man the salmon steak and and then uh, and then he's like remember when we were surfing at shippies we're like two minutes into the drive you know 23 minutes left or whatever to go and we're at we're at shippies remember the kfc man how good does kfc taste now honestly i'm not a kfc fan but after six hours of surfing kfc tastes awesome you know, and so remember that we just, oh, oh man, if you could just go to that pie shop and get one of those pies. Remember those pies? The Ruakaka pie shop. Oh my gosh. I wish we were close to the Ruakaka pie shop right now. I'd get one of those, I'd get one of those steak and mushroom pies. And Andy's like, oh, I'd get one of the mint and lamb pies, actually. The mint and lamb's better. Oh, they are pretty good. Yeah. The mint and lamb is pretty good. I'd probably get a mint and lamb and also a steak and mushroom because, You've always got to have at least two, and ah, uh, and then we'll just talk about food for the entire trip back to the point where I'm like, Andy, I don't know if I can actually talk, I'm like dribbling. I'm dribbling, like my mouth is salivating so bad that it's dribbling and I'm muttering my words and, and I'm like I'm afraid I'm, am I spitting on you? you know <laughs> you know, you get to that point where you're just like, you are so ravenous but. You're ravenous with an expectation that you're about to be filled. Because I'm on my way to my kitchen and I know what's in my fridge. Andy, when we get home, bro, I've got this idea. I've got these I've got these. eye fillet steaks in the fridge. We'll cook those up on the barbecue. I've got a few sausages we'll put on there too. I've got some a, a little bit of salad. I mean... That can't, you can't go wrong with a little bit of salad. We'll put a bit of salad in there, and I've got these. And you just go through that and you start concocting what I'm going to cook when I get to the kitchen because I know I have access to the kitchen. I know what's, I know, I know what's available to me. I know that I, I've got maybe 25 minutes, but man, that kitchen's my kitchen, and that food's my food. I have access. I'm not a beggar on the side of the road. I'm a son with a house, access to the fridge. I know what's available to me. And. Gosh, I'm probably as hungry as that beggar on the side of the road. But my hope level is completely different. I, I have a hunger that is attached to hope. I have a hunger that is attached to expectation. I realize, man, I am hungry and it is leading me somewhere. And I know where it's leading me. It's leading me to the place where I will be filled. And it would be strange for me to get to that place and not have an opportunity to be filled. Something would have to have gone drastically wrong like my house would have had to have been burnt down or something like that. But even so, I'd go, I mean, I have access to food. If you're hungry for something, you can take it as evidence that God has more for you. You're not an orphan. If God stirs a hunger in your heart for something, it's not so that you can feel jealous of the person who stirred the hunger in you. It's not... For any of those reasons, it is a divine invitation from God Himself for you to have the thing that He's put the desire in you to have. When you get struck with the hunger from the Lord, it is His personal invitation. You should be so encouraged when you're exposed to something that you don't currently walk in that stirs a hunger on the inside of you. Don't feel jealous. Don't feel like you've, like, competition. Don't feel bummed out that you don't have that. Feel encouraged. Don't feel like, oh, stink, man. That guy's telling stories about all these miracles. I've never seen anything like that. Feel like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I'm feeling a hunger. This is a divine invitation from the Lord to have the thing I'm hungry for. Oh, my gosh, he's telling these stories. This is an invitation to an impartation which will come like a seed. And if I water the seed, it will become a tree. And I'll have fruit. I'll have stories to tell like Matt has to tell. This is not to tease you. This is to invite you into something new. That's the whole point of the good news. Well, not the whole point. It's a big point. <laughs> this is so exciting if you ask me. And so I was in, I was in Burma and I just repeat this, this story about this. And then I want to tell a few other stories and then we're going to pray. But I was in, um, I just told you where it was. I wasn't meant to tell you where it was. Whoops. Now you all know where it is. I was in Burma, my beloved Burma, and um, going back actually in October. And this was in April this year. I was there and I was invited by some Burmese friends of mine to go to a, a war zone in the north of Burma. And um, this has been a war zone since before World War II. So this is a long time war zone. The people that live there have known nothing but war. There is no knowledge of, no experience of peace. They, they have no experience of peace. For, for generations, they have had no experience of peace. This is multi-generational war that has just taken place in this area. And um, for multiple different reasons, and I won't get into the, to the details of that, but basically it's a war zone. And uh, when I was there, it, the two weeks that I was there, it was the most intense fighting that that area has experienced in the last ten years, and there were demonstrations on the streets. There were there were lost children in the in the jungle all around who had just lost their parents, and um, there were there were there were tens of thousands of missing kids just in the jungle with no no family. I mean, just horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. I mean, such an honor to be there, and such a challenge to be there. And um and We got to do some cool stuff. I got to speak at a conference there, and I got to also speak at a wedding, and we got to do a few things, and it was incredible. I watched one lady, a tumor right on her side about this big, it literally like candle wax under fire, it just, and melted out of her side, just in front of everybody, just and she's bawling her eyes out. The tumors disappeared. Love of God just comes over her, and she's just getting wrecked by the love of God. We had multiple people come up, and they said, I had no hearing. I couldn't hear anything. And look, it's perfect. My ears are perfect. They just went pop, and they're perfect. I mean, this is just amazing. I mean, if you see that face, when you see the face of the person whose ears just popped open, you know, you saw the face of the little boy this morning that Andy showed. You, you just, those faces do something to you. you. You can't go back once you've seen that face. You're like, man, I just want to see more and more faces like that. That's the healed face. That's the, that's the face of someone that's woken up to something that they didn't realize two seconds ago. That is the, that is wow, Jesus. That's the face of the fear of the Lord. That is a amazing face to get addicted to. So incredible things at this, at this wedding that I spoke at. I, they said, speak for 40 minutes at a wedding, a tribal wedding. They were wearing swords and stuff. And in the, in the jungle, it was awesome. And, they, and I said, what, what do you want me to talk about? Like, it's, a, it's your wedding. I don't want to just, you know, what, do, what should I do? do? Do you want me to give like marriage advice or do some kind of like, you know, blessing or what am, what am I meant to do? Do whatever you want. Anything. Do anything. Do you mean anything? Yeah, do anything. So I'm like, shall I just? Are there is there anyone that's not a Christian here? Oh yeah, there's definitely non Christians here. Oh cool. So I just told my testimony and released the power of God and God started moving and about forty people got saved at the wedding. It was just, it was just awesome. It was so cool, you know. I love this stuff. This is so good. And so uh, i so so thankful. And then on this hand, you know, still every second kid I met has no parents. And when I left, the war's still happening. And right now, the war in that area is still happening. I still have the faces of the kids in my head. And they've got smiles, but if you look deep into their eyes, you can see there's a loneliness there because they're missing something that they're not meant to miss. That's not right what's happening there. That's not on earth as in heaven. The kingdom hasn't fully expressed itself there yet. And I said, God, you know, you put the keys of the kingdom in my hand and I've come and gone and there's still war. And I'm so thankful, God, for the tumour that disappeared. I'm so thankful for the tumours that disappeared. I'm so thankful for the deaf ears. I'm so thankful for the multitudes of people that were all over the floor, just wrecked by your love. I'm so thankful for the 30 or 40 people that got saved at the wedding. I'm so thankful for all these different things. And man, I'm just, I'm filled with gratitude, like overflowing with gratitude. And then I am overflowing with ravenous hunger because... You've exposed me to something that I don't have. I want to carry a peace that when I go to that place and I stand on that land, peace comes to a degree that there is no longer war. I want to say not just peace to your body, but I want to say peace to the region and I want to see peace. Oh, but you know, how, what, what gives you the right to believe that? It's been since before World War II. And why could you do, You can't expect to just go in there and just say, why not? Why not? Why can't we just go to a place and say, peace, and then everything changes? And I, and I found myself just, just torn with thankfulness and hunger, just torn with this, with this two realities of God is moving, but God, I want you to move more. And I said, God, I'm pretty torn. And he said, remember that time when you were fishing? I said, yeah, I remember that. And this is just a recap. I remember that time I was fishing Taupo Bay in Northland. And the whole bay started jumping with fish. And and I started casting my, my lure. And I had a carway set up. And I had a snapper set up. And I didn't have anything to handle anything bigger on the boat. But me and my wife were fishing. So it was awesome. The whole is a big bay. And everywhere you look, there's just fish jumping. Incredible. And the lure would hit the water and catch a kawai, and it would just, you know, they fight. They were big kawai, too. Super fun to catch. And you just rip them into the boat and put them in the boat, and, you know, we were just covered in kawai blood. It was just, you know, they're messy. And it was awesome. So thankful. And I love kawai. I think kawai are awesome fish. And so, you know, I pretty much had my limit of kawai. And then I saw these big kingfish just coming under the boat. <laughs> Probably 1.5 to 2 meters long, big kingfish. Like these aren't aren't small little rats. These are big, full-grown kingfish. And they zoom under the boat, and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm pretty much not going to be able to catch this with this setup. But I'm going to give it a crack. And so, through the lure in, and just the rod just drew bent over. And then I'm like, oh, there's enough enough drag. It's kind of going out, but it's going out super fast. And then it just went, boom, and just exploded. And that was it, gone. Lost my lure. The rod went, bing, and, you know, that was it, done. And I remember, and God said to me, how'd that feel? I said, gee, God, I was so, so thankful for all those kawaii. And I probably used a different word, to be honest. I was... Marginally upset that I hadn't prepared with a kingfish rod. I had one back at the tent site, and I didn't put it in the boat because I wasn't expecting the harvest to be as big as it was. I didn't come prepared for what was available. And I was kicking myself. Honestly, if my foot could have reached my head, I would have kicked myself in the head. Like, ah, oh, you. And I'm like, Gosh. He said to me, that's, that's what you're feeling. That's what you're feeling. You thought the harvest was this much, but it's this much. You're prepared for the kawaii, but you're not prepared for the kingfish. But what you've become aware of now is that there's kingfish in the water. The harvest that is available, the harvest that I have poured out, the harvest that I have prepared for you is bigger than your capacity to receive right now. So I wanna upgrade your fishing gear. I wanna upgrade your rod. But if you ask me what I want, and this is not what I'm going to preach on tonight, but if you ask me what I want, here's what I want. I don't want just a kaway and a kingfish. I want every fish in the bay. And if you want every fish in the bay, you have to put your rod down and you have to pick up the net. You have to join with some other people. And one could put a thousand to flight map, but two, ten thousand, and three, a hundred thousand. And if you learn to work with others, if you learn to walk. With a selfless agenda. If you if you learn to live John 13, where you've laid your life down for your friends, then you'll see a harvest that the world has never seen before. Can you believe for every fish in the bay? And I thought, man, practically in Taupo Bay, I think that would have been hard. That was a big bay. But God, anything's possible, and if you've exposed me to it, I'll believe for it. I'll believe for it. And so I was I was I was. And I still am feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling like I feel on the, way from a, on the way from a surf beach, from a six hour surf, probably about 10 or 15 minutes into the, into the half an hour drive home. I feel like excited for what I'm about to receive. But I feel, man, I just wanna talk about food. I don't wanna talk about anything else. I don't care about anything else. I just wanna talk about what is available to us right now. What can we believe for? Man, let's talk about what we're about, to, what we're about to partake of in the kitchen of God. Let's talk about what we are about to receive because the more we talk about it, I'll tell you what, the more I talk about it on my car ride on the, back, on the way back from my surf to my kitchen, the faster I end up going. My foot just, just starts going faster and faster and faster and you stop, I'm not even paying attention to the speedometer anymore. I'm just thinking, I just got to get home. That's just the natural dynamic of hunger. It gets you going faster. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the story I was just in Russia two weeks ago. In fact, less than two weeks I got back from Russia. I was just over there. And I'm so thankful for just the amazing stuff that God does. I'm so thankful for uh, one story that I'm thankful for. Is I'm thankful for, I preached a message on reconciliation. I preached a message and I've preached it actually here before too. I preached a message on the body and I preached a message on loving one another and forgiving one another and and giving our hearts to one another. And I preached that message on reconciliation and then I release a, a spirit of reconciliation over the room and this lady comes up and she says, um, I'm a I'm a Jew, I'm a Russian Jew. My mom lives in Israel. I became a Christian 15 years ago and my mom ostracized me and basically disowned me 15 years ago when I became a Christian. And I've tried to reach out to her. I've tried to reconcile. I've tried to make it right. I've tried to reestablish relationship. I've tried to humble myself. I've tried to say sorry. I've tried to reconnect. But my mom hasn't even picked up the phone for 15 years. And if the rare occasion that she did pick up the phone, she would just basically yell at me and then hang up again and she does and she's crying telling me this at the end of my message she's saying i just don't think i can do it i don't think i can call my mom because people were all over the room just calling their loved ones who they were a broken relationship with and making things right and she said i just don't think i can do it i just don't think i I just don't think i can handle being disappointed one more time i've tried it's been 15 years of brokenness and i just don't she's 99 years old i just don't think it's going to happen i think i'm never going to talk to my mom again and I said, you know what, that's pretty hard. But God's exposed you to something. There's a reason I shared that message today. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to go call your mum. And so he just prayed. Just prayed over her. Just released a spirit of reconciliation over her and her mum. Then she went into the corridor and she phoned her mum in Israel. Her mum picked up the phone. They stayed out there for half an hour. And then she comes in, I've got a photo on my phone, tears streaming down her face. She said, my mum picked up the phone. I talked to her for half an hour, Matt. And we just wept together for half an hour. And we reconnected. And and she said, can you call me back as soon as you can? Because I just want to carry on this conversation. I've missed out on 15 years of your life. I want to catch up. And they reconciled over the phone. Spirit of reconciliation. I love that. I love the story of the of the guy in Auckland when I was I was speaking and and I, I just hold on to these stories by the way. I love the story of the guy down the back of the church who who had a a, a, a surgically removed eardrum. In other words, he couldn't hear. And I love that we prayed for him and I love that he freaked out. And all I saw was this guy bawling his eyes out on the back seat, clapping by one of his ears. I said, mate, what's going on? And he said, I had no eardrum. It was surgically removed by doctors. And I can, I can now hear perfectly. When you prayed, everything came back and I can just hear perfectly. I thought, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Man, that's awesome. And then God showed me this vision of him in a, in a boxing ring. And he's boxing. He's fighting for his life. And Jesus walks in the ring and he rings the bell and he says, the fight's over. And I said, listen, this is what I see of you. I see there's been a fight for your life, and you've been fighting. But Jesus is walking into your ring right now, and he's ringing the bell, and he's saying the fight's over. Your fight is over. I said, the air that's been healed is not the fight that's over, but it's a sign of the fight that's over. I'm about to prophesy over the next person, and he gets this text message. He pulls his phone out. And he loses it even more. I don't know what's going on. So I just let him lose it. He's just, he's just a blubbering mess in the corner. He comes up at the end and he says, I want to show you something. I haven't been to church for four years. I'm, I'm, I'm not even really a, f- a follower of Jesus. I grew up in a Christian family, but I don't really believe in Jesus. I, did, I mean, I do now, I suppose, but I don't know what I've done to deserve this, but I've got a new ear I can hear again. Uh, and you, I've got to tell you what happened. Four years ago, we moved out here from South Africa, and my dad actually punched me in the side of the face so hard that he wrecked my eardrum so bad that the doctor needed to surgically remove it. After he did that to me, he said, "Listen, I am through with this family." And my dad left me, my mom, and my my siblings, and we have ne- we have not heard from him since. We don't know if he's dead or alive. We don't we, we have no way of contacting him. We don't know if he's still in New Zealand. We have literally. Not he'd heard one, even rumor of where he is from anyone. And he said, I've got to show you this text message. He pulls out his phone and it's, it's from an unrecognized number. It says, love you, son, miss you, your dad. And that's a, that's a ministry of reconciliation. That's the spirit of reconciliation that God just moves and knits people back together in the most supernatural way. And I am so thankful for those types of stories. I'm so thankful for the stories like that, that I've had the privilege and the honor of witnessing with my own eyes. I've, I, I've, I count it such an honor to have been able to pray for some people and to see that kind of thing happen. And then I, I'm in my own city and I'm seeing a city of brokenness a city of disconnection, a city of generational abuse within families. And I think, God, I've seen breakthrough over individuals. I've seen breakthrough over families, but I haven't seen breakthrough over cities yet. And God, I'm hungry because I want to release a spirit of reconciliation over people, but I want to release a spirit of reconciliation over cities. And over nations, I want to. I want to walk in a in a knowledge in an experience of your glory that's so weighty and so heavy that when I walk into a place and it's just because you're so glorious, because you can do this, God. And if I'm your son and you're my dad, then you come with me everywhere I go, and you can do this. And if my job is to turn the key then I want you to walk through the door. I want to walk into places and see mass transformation. That this, this is me exposing my heart to you because I want to let you know I am hungry for something that is beyond what I've experienced. I am looking towards something that I have not seen yet. I love the miracles that take place. I love the crazy ridiculous, wild, mental things. I love it, Russia two weeks ago, less than, probably seven days ago. No, anyway, whenever it was, some time ago, not long ago, at the end of the trip, I love it that a lady came forward and she's like, yeah, I have this tumour on the back of my leg and it's about that big. And, and she's got a skirt on so you can see it, the whole church can see it. And I love it that no one's expecting the tumour to disappear. No one is expecting that. You can just see they're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be like a token prayer. You can just feel that in the atmosphere. This is going to be a token prayer. Nothing's going to happen. And I'm thinking, this is so funny because this is about to happen, and no one here thinks it's going to happen. This is going to be classic. And I'm like, okay, well, let's pray. And I got my friends. I said, let's pray, and I just want you guys to get the tumor gone. And, and my friends are like, Sure. Let's get the tumor gone because they've got power to get tumors gone. So they start to pray. And in front of the whole church, the tumor just disappears. And the whole church is like, what? Are you serious? That's amazing. That's amazing. And so many people that day, only a few days ago, just got miraculously healed. I love that. I love it. Um, I love going to, I love that I went to Fiji you with my family last year. I love going to the the village. And in fact, I tried for this not to happen. Because honestly, all I wanted to do was have a break. Because I've been running so hard, I just wanted to have a break. And I thought, please, Lord, please, Lord, I just want to hide by the swimming pool and be unknown and have no one draw on anything. And I don't even want to pray for one person. That was, call that a stink attitude if you want. But Honestly, I was just wanting a break. I've prayed for thousands of people, and I just want a break. And we go to get my daughter's hair braided in the hut next door to the resort. And um, and God said, could you just ask one thing for me? And then that's all you need to do. I just asked one thing, and I'm like, okay, God. And it takes an hour to get the hair braided. And so he said, ask that lady if she has pain in her right knee. I said, God. What are you up to, eh? Okay. Do you have pain in your right knee? Yes, I I can't bend my right knee. It's been like that for six years. Okay. And I'm not even excited about this because I want to go back to the pool. (laughs) We're going to pray. And I got my daughter to pray, actually. And her knee gets all the movement back. And then... The person who's the wife of the chief of the village has this condition where she's had this um, woman problem uh, for 21 years, and it's physical, tangible, and she can tell if she's healed or not. My, My other daughter prays for her, and she gets instantly completely healed. And then a person who hadn't walked for 17 years gets completely healed. And then miracles just start breaking out in the village and they start taking us from village to village and people just miracles. And I'm like, okay, guys, listen, listen, this is the end. Full stop. We're going back to the pool. And I'm like, I I, I could feel what it must have been like to be to, you know, for Jesus to say, listen, I'm going to leave this massive crowd of revival and go up on the mountain. I was like, I just got to go back to the mountain. But I love that stuff. You know, I love to see God move and I love that. That's incredible. And then, and then I hear the stories that have stirred hunger in me of like the John G. Lakes. And I remember going to Portland, Oregon with, with, a, um, with a friend of mine and with Andy as well. And we went to this place and uh, the, the pastor there, he said, I want to take you to our youth drop-in center. And I'm like, cool, Youth Drop-In Center. Cool, let's go to the Youth Drop-In Center. And we're standing against this wall of this Youth Drop-In Center. And he says, I've got to tell you something about this Youth Drop-In Center. This is in downtown Portland, Oregon. And uh, this is an amazing building. I'm like, what's amazing about this building? He says, well, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. This is actually John G. Lake's first ever healing rooms were in this room. And I'm like, whoa, no way. He's like, yeah. No way. It's pretty awesome. In fact, we didn't know that until we started the youth drop-in center and these young uh, drug-addicted youth would come in who hadn't slept for days and they would walk into the room and they would instantly just fall asleep and fall on the floor. And there was this peace in the room that was so profound that we were just like, what is up with this room? And it was like something that was there before we were there. And so we, I, he said, I did the digging, and I went into the, to the archives, the city, the Portland, Oregon archives, the official archives of the city, to discover what was in this room before us. And I realized, this was John G. Lake's healing room. Oh, my gosh. And then I did a little bit more digging, and you wouldn't believe what I found. And I'm like, okay, cool. Tell me. What did you find? He said, you know, Portland was the part of John G. Lake's ministry that no one really talks about, because everyone talks about Spokane, Washington, because Spokane was so amazing they called Spokane the healthiest city in the United States. And in the Spokane City Archives, it says this, due to John G. Lake's healing rooms. That's the reason why it's the most healthy place. And and the three years before he went to Spokane, he was in Portland. This was the beginning of his healing room ministry, and no one talked about it because it was kind of insignificant compared to the rest. And after the three years, this is what they did, and this is, this is what he discovered in the City Archives. They he's put out a note, uh, uh, an invitation to everyone that had been healed under his ministry. And he said, bring with you everything that you, can't, that you don't need anymore. So all your wheelchairs, all your crutches, all your casts, all your pill bottles, anything that you, you don't need anymore because you've been healed, bring it along and we'll just heap it in a big pile and then we'll just have a celebration service and just celebrate all that God's done in these last three years. That's cool. And so people came along and uh, everyone that was still around came, came around and, and uh, they had this celebration thing. That the record of it is this. It was a Portland city block big. The pile of stuff was one block in size. 17 feet high. Jesus. Jesus. I mean, I love Andy's story, and I, I love the, the whole deaf school. I, I mean, I've walked into hospital rooms and seen, seen, you know, whole wards instantly healed and dancing and praising the Lord. I've seen people, I mean, I've, it's been incredible. I mean, I've, I've got Carway. There's Carway in the boat, You know, man, there's kawaii in the boat. Like, my boat is filled with kawaii. I'm so thankful for the car. I'm covered in kawaii blood. You know, if you rub up against me, you'll get some kawaii blood on you. Because there's testimonies. There's things that I've seen amazing things. I remember when I was just born again, I said, man, if I could just see one miracle happen in my life, I'd be happy. Just a knee healed or something. All I want to see, God, I read a John G. Lake testimony in one of his books and, crazy. I said, if I could just see one miracle, just one, and man, God does exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could ask or imagine. But then I read that John D. Lake testimony, I think, man, I'm on my way to the kitchen. I don't know about you. I am on my way to the kitchen. I mean, I read the Smith Wigglesworth Testimonies about him just drive, just on a train through a city, and the whole city falls on their knees, repents, and gets saved. I mean, I, yeah, okay, I'm thankful for the 30 or 40 people in the jungle wedding. That's awesome. But man, imagine if you could just fly into a place and all you needed to do was fly into the place. This has happened before. Like, this is something that has actually happened before. God is inviting us into something that's never happened before. This is what's happened before. This is our inheritance. You know, the river starts to trickle from under the throne and it gets wider and wider and wider and wider and wider. Jesus was a trickle. It began, the river began to flow with Jesus, and then it got a little bit wider in the disciples, a little bit wider in those after them, a little bit wider, a little bit wider. John G. Lake was pretty wide. For you and I, it's even wider than John G. Lake. Greater works than these you'll do because I go to the Father. Oh my gosh, these are things we've already seen. I'm not trying to stir up a vain hope. Like This is something that's available. Actually, God wants it so that you could just, hey, let's just get a Coru membership. Let's just get some money to get on a plane. And let's just fly to a place and stand there under the glory of God and watch what God does. Man, I love it. I'm just, I mean, you know, I know I'm going to pray for you guys, but... I love. It. I was in Fungamata a few a few years back, and and uh, it was New Year's, and I and I <laughs> walked up to this group of gangster kids, you know, with their hoods on, and it was it had been pouring down the rain nonstop for two weeks straight, like it was a horrible New Year's, and it was just pouring, and it, it literally had not stopped. At our campsite, was no kidding, that deep in mud, it was a disaster. Everyone was so Agitated at the rain. And we're with these kids, and I walk up and I said, Listen, hey, listen, do you guys believe in Jesus? And they're like, Boo. Jesus? Boo. And they're like smoking their cigarette, they got their beer. Boo, Jesus? Boo. Boo. If Jesus was real, why does he need to stop this rain? I said, did you ask him? Oh, nah, nah, no, nah, I didn't ask him. Well, why don't you ask him? Oh, no, 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 I don't, don't want to ask him. There's like six of his buddies there. It's pouring down. The We're saturated, you know. I said, well, you guys just, all, let's all huddle up, guys. I'll ask him for you. And I'm thinking, stop it, stop it. You're about to back yourself into a corner. Stop it. Stop talking. That little voice in me saying, Stop talking. And this one saying, Keep talking. Stop talking. Keep talking. I said, Okay, here, Jesus, I declare that in the next five minutes, every bit of rain will stop. Amen. Okay, look at the time. And I'm thinking, You idiot. Here's my phone number. Give me your phone number. We've got to go, but I'm going to give you a call in five minutes. And I'm thinking, man, I'm just going to pray that I never see them again. And, uh, and we're in the van on the way back to the campsite. And the windscreen wipers are you know, full bore. It's raining cats and dogs, you know. You can just... And, uh, and I'm looking at the time, it's four and a half minutes, four minutes and 36, four minutes and 31, four minutes, 32, and it's raining like, like there is no, you cannot see one star in the sky. It is thick. And it's been like this for two weeks, you know, I'm like, oh, well, what have I done? You know, God's going to get a bad name because of me. And uh, that's what I'm thinking. Four minutes, 55, four minutes, 56, still the same. Four minutes, 57, still the same. Four, and I'm looking to the second. Four minutes, 50, at five minutes, the I'm not kidding. The whole sky went, shoo, and all you could see is stars. I am not kidding. All you could see was stars. It stopped raining, and I get a phone call. Beep, 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 beep. I can't even say anything that they said to me. It's all censored. It's like beep bro, beep, bro, bro, beep, Jesus, beep. I'm just cracking up on the phone, you know. I've got on speakerphone. <laughs> I say, see the see the big red tent? Beep. There's a guy there. Go talk to him. He'll lead you to Jesus. Okay, man, okay, I'm going now. We're all going. They all got saved. Man, come on. I was thinking about that testimony when I was in India, because when I was in India, we were, we were going to be preaching, at we did actually do this, a leaders gathering of two to 3,000 leaders, some of them Hindu priests, which that excites me. And it's in this crazy place in India, and it was actually on world news. You probably would have seen it on the news. They called it a cyclone that was even bigger than Cyclone Katrina, Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. And it was 300 and something kilometer an hour winds that were coming off the coast in towards the city that I was in called Jersaguta, and it was coming up into the over the land, and it was this, we like, it was hundreds of kilometers away, and the... The palm trees that where I was staying were already bending over. I mean, the the iron on the roof was starting to flap like, and it was still, like, you know, five, six, seven hours drive away. So I mean, this is a beast of a cyclone. It's coming in, and um, they said if it comes, it'll knock the train line completely out, and you won't be able you won't be able to get home. The only one way out of here is on a train. Otherwise, you're weeks in a car. So you're not going to be able to get home you're going to be here until they fix the train line. I'm thinking, "No way, man, I am not going to be here for that long." And they say also we're going to have to cancel the conference and many people will die. Cuz it will destroy it will actually destroy it will just completely decimate their homes. Like this is not a this is not a joke. Like this is this is the real deal. And at the time it was the peak of this month of Hindu worship that they have where they honor their particular different God that they honor in that particular region. And this was the God Kali, which was the God of destruction. And it was the peak day. So it was like the highest point of the climax of of demonic worship for this whole month of demonic worship. And the cyclone comes in and we stood there. And I'm thinking about that testimony. And I stood with Andy and with our friend who was over there. and And we just said, right now, in the name of Jesus, turn around. And at that exact moment, oh, we looked on the news and we took note of the time. At that exact moment, it, it, the report was, we don't know what's happened. This is very unusual, but it's turned around and it's gone back out to sea. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. In fact, it stopped right over the main temple, Kali. It destroyed the temple there there wasn't one brick that was left on another brick. It was completely leveled and there was no loss of life in that temple. Just the temple was destroyed. Destruction was destroyed and then it went back out to sea. This is awesome. I love that and I'm so thankful for that kawai. I'm so thankful for that kawai. I'm so thankful for all these little kawai and uh, you know, and then I'm I'm prophesying, I'm praying over the car fires in in Redding, California, my own friends, my own home, my own family, and hundreds of houses lost. And felt like, man, it was easy in India. Why is it not easy here? And there's these natural disasters. That Christchurch, for goodness' sake, right here. I'm speaking peace to Christchurch, and this and this quakes happening. And I'm saying, hey, it happened, and why is it not? And I'm thinking, God, thank you for the carway, but man, I'm exposed. I have been exposed to something that I'm not currently walking fully in. I'm walking in it to a degree, but there has to be more. Like what about the day when we can just stand in a land or declare and prophesy over a place and, and peace comes to the point that there is no longer any destruction. That there is the restoration of creation to the fullest extent. This is what God's inviting us into. I don't want to to paint a picture of something that's unattainable. I'm trying to paint a picture of something that's attainable. I'm trying to paint a picture of the meal that God's cooking in His kitchen right now as you're on your way back from a surf. There is a meal being prepared and I hope you can smell it. I hope that you can catch a whiff of the reality of what's ahead of you. And here's the thing. It's not that we're asking God to put more fish around the boat. There are more fish around the boat than any one of us could possibly haul in in one haul. I didn't need to ask God for more kingfish. I didn't need to ask God for a wider... I mean, there there was an abundance of fish. The problem was I didn't have a fishing rod that could handle the harvest. And your heart is a fishing rod. And here's the thing. God has given everything. Everything in heaven has already been given. Not everything in heaven has been received on earth yet. And, and here's what God's saying. I want to mold your heart. I want to I increase your capacity to receive what I'm pouring out. Because there is a harvest available to you that you are not yet prepared to receive. And I want to increase your capacity to receive. And what precedes that is a hunger that's baptized in hope a hunger that's baptized in hope, there is a promise. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You have to wait. You have to position your heart. You have to to live with the hunger in a realization that the hunger is leading you somewhere if you let it. You have to realize that the things you're praying for are alive on the inside of you. You are the answer. He lives in you. So, if I could just ask the band to come up, that'd be amazing. Here's what I want to pray. I want to pray two things. I want to pray that God stirs a hunger in you that will lead you somewhere. This whole thing's got to start somewhere. I don't know about you, but for me, I said this: God, if it's going to start somewhere, could you please make it start with me? I want to be at the spare, I want to be at the beginning point. I, I want to. I want to see. I want to be right. I want front row seats. I don't want to be at the back of the stadium. I want to be at the front of the stadium. (laughs) It's got to start somewhere. And there's a lot of people looking over their shoulder waiting for someone else to do it. The answer's alive in you. Why don't you just do it? Why don't you step into the thing that you're desiring? Why don't you start stepping towards that? I want to pray for a hunger, but the other thing I want to pray for is this. I want to pray for an impartation. And, and here's the thing. I'm so hungry for the kingfish. Man, I'm, I'm on this altar call myself saying, God, give me the kingfish. I'm with you. But the other thing is that I do have some caraway in my boat. I do have some caraway in my boat. I've got some fruit on my tree. And, and, and the fruit's only there because God put it there. Because I stewarded the seed that God gave me. And now, by the grace of God, I have some grace to give away. I have some fruit to throw at you, and that fruit has seed in it. And if you steward the seed, you can have the tree with the fruit. And so here's the other thing I want to do. I want to release an impartation. I want to lay hands on you, and I want to to lay hands on you that you would walk in an awareness of God's presence, and you'd walk in the power of the kingdom to the point that you would start to see the miracles that you desire to see. And I want to pray for an impartation of power. I want to pray for an impartation of the Holy Spirit to come on you. I want you, to, I want you to go from here and see miracle signs and wonders everywhere you go because it is who you are. You are a son or daughter of God. This is your birthright. This is your inheritance. And I, and I just want to pray. Sometimes, you know, honestly, sometimes if John G. Lake was here, for example, I'd be saying, John G. Lake, lay hands on me. And if I've said anything that stirred hunger in you, if I've said anything and shared any of my life that's made you go, man, I want that, that is not just to tease you. That is evidence of a divine invitation that has been given to you for right now. In other words, this is not something for you to receive tomorrow. This is something for you to receive right now. And you might not receive it as a fully grown tree. Don't be disappointed if it doesn't look exactly like I've said it by tomorrow. But you'll receive a a seed and if you steward the seed, you can have the tree. I've I've just shared a few testimonies. I've just broken off a piece of my life. In in a way, I'm sharing communion with you. (laughs) I'm just breaking some bread and giving it to my brothers and sisters. I'm breaking some of my life off and saying, hey, here's some of what God's done in me And I just want to give it to you. And if you want to receive it, if you want want that, then I want to just make that available to you and I want to release an impartation of you. So if you could just stand up with me. Father, right now, I just thank you. Just thank you that you're so good. Just thank you that you're so here. Just thank you that you're so amazing. Just thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. Just thank you that we don't have to ask you to come because you're already here, but we lift up our eyes and see. God, I thank you that when we look, we see and we'll always find what we're looking for. God, we're looking for you. God, thank you that there is an upgrade available to us. God, thank you for the kawaii. and God, we're asking for the kingfish. God, thank you for the carway setup. Thank you for the stuff that we've pulled into our boat, God. And I ask for an upgrade. And God, I pray that there'll be an impartation that will cause there to be an upgrade in people's lives tonight. An upgrade of love and power that would see a manifestation in their lives. God, I pray that spring would come early in Christ Church, in the natural and in the spirit. I declare a change of season, God. I declare revival over this place. I declare peace to the house of Christ Church. I declare right now a shifting in the Spirit and a trigger in the Spirit that would trigger revival in this place, that would trigger a resurrection life in this place, that would trigger an awakening from the dead in this place, an awakening from the dead. God, I pray that every face would be, every eye would be opened in astonishment and in wonder at who You are. I pray that the testimonies would be so thick and so heavy and so weighty And so bright with light that they would wake people from even the deepest of sleep, God. And I pray, God, that where there has been hopelessness, and right now, here's what I want you to do. If you have have had a, a hunger that has been absent from hope, if you've had a hunger but no expectation of being filled, if there's been a shortage of hope, I just want you to lift both hands in the air right now. God, I declare hope over this room. I declare a burning, invincible hope. I declare a hope that is unwavering. I declare a hope that is unshakable. I declare a hope that is the hope of the kingdom. And I speak to the spirit of hopelessness and religion that projects into tomorrow what God intends for us to have today. And I declare, I break you off of these people and off of this city. And I declare a glistening, vibrant, living hope The hope that is Jesus on the inside of you. A hope that can...